Alejandro is our Zoom host. Thank you, Alejandro. It's driving me. Oh, maybe we've lost Ale. Oh, hi, there you are. Is uh, taking care of recording and any needs you might have. Alejandro is here to help. So first, I want to say thank you for thank you for coming to commemorate, uh, honor, respect uh, George Floyd. This has felt like an important day to me. I'm not sure how it's been for you. I want to start by by saying that uh, in my mind, this this talk is incomplete, and I, that I think that it should be. Uh, I think there's it's something something in the nature of our participation in this conversation together that uh, the the discussion is completed by your response to it, and really even then it's not. It's not exactly complete. Your response is going to echo on. You condition the next moment and the next action and who really knows where or when or how. The conversation is going to echo. So yeah, incomplete. And I, I, think, I think that it should be and that it makes, that makes room for its potential. So it's my feeling that this group's arrived to uh, sit together, speak together with respect and with care. Commemorating George Floyd. I don't have to tell you what our communities have been through or what each of us has experienced in the last year. We've had occasion after occasion to be reminded And so today I'm proposing commemoration, which I think of as respect, looking again, honoring, keeping in mind, and particularly respecting and honoring and keeping in mind some of these moments of beauty and poignancy connected to the life and the community of George Floyd. And as we call some of these moments to mind, some of these images I'll share, I will ask you to hold the question for yourself. How deeply have we been changed? How have we been changed? And these moments, these images, they're like reference points for us now. Like some of us may have uh, done as children, being called over to the, the door jam to have our height marked in pencil and doing that year after year, seeing, oh, I, I couldn't feel that I was growing. I couldn't feel that I was growing taller, but look, I'm an inch and a half taller this year. I'm a half an inch taller this year, I didn't even know but the reference point makes it visible. So with these, these um, memories, these rememberings as reference points, holding this question, how have we been changed? 
important to note, I think that um, the stories and the images, everything associated with this will land for each of us differently. I wanna locate myself briefly, particularly socially as a white racialized male. So these stories will land with me, perhaps in a certain way. I also wanna locate myself geographically. Usually I'm speaking to you from San Francisco, but I'm traveling for the first time to see my family in a long time. So I'm less than an hour north of the third ward where George Floyd grew up an hour's drive south, where he played football, where he played basketball, where he supported his community. And where there was a park that was just opened in his name. So the first reference point and one I think, I think all of us share is the now quite famous Darnella Frazier's video. A reference point for a lot of us, I think, because it spread, it spread so quickly. And in trying to conceive the movement of these images of the end of George Floyd's life, conceiving the speed with which it moves, I get, I get this image in mind Vines like lightning, like vines made of light, just covering the whole earth, almost instantly just spreading at the speed of broadband, lighting up screens, just city after city. This simultaneous glow of revelation. It's the first reference point I had for George Floyd in my life. Not having any idea how that would grow, how it would take root or what it would become in me. And that got me thinking, that was my first reference point, but it got me thinking about George Floyd's family and this whole other basis, this whole other set of memories and moments. That's their George Floyd, their reference point so they can recognize something has changed. And so I wanted to share just a couple of, couple of these short images from his family and friends, these different moments in his life, for us in, in some kind of way to bring some beauty and joy and connection with what's been a difficult year, I think. So there's this one short story, uh, pretty endearing, by his older sister, Salza Floyd. And she tells this story of uh, when, when George was just, just newly in high school, ninth grade, but I imagine he was a big guy already. And he is rushing home from his uh, first days of high school at Jack Yates High in the third ward in Houston. He's coming home, he's rushing home and he's saying, I made it, I made it, I made, I made varsity football. And um, a year later, he becomes the co-captain of the basketball team. But just that, that, that image of uh, 
child, you know, running home to, to share this celebration. I made it, I made it, I'm so happy. Um, and knowing that's, that's, the, that's the George Floyd, or that's potentially the George Floyd, the moment that Zaza has to, to recognize that something has changed. I also think about uh, Floyd did some outreach work in a community where he grew up, Chuni Homes, called The Bricks in the Third Ward. And some of the friends said, just having his presence there really helped solidify things in the neighborhood. And he helped a lot of conflicted and confused people. Just that. And then one of his friends named Wayne, one of the best known rappers of the Third Ward, he was, uh, he was George Floyd's next door neighbor growing up in the bricks. They had a lifelong friendship from what I hear. And Floyd was one of Wayne's earliest supporters and kept encouraging him in the ups and downs. Keep, keep rapping, keep writing, keep working. And Wayne says, he really helped me through it. I wish the world knew him the way that I knew him. I think a lot of us know that um, after living in Houston, George Floyd moved to Minneapolis. What I didn't know is that he connected there with a, a minister who helped folks who were relocating from the third ward to Minneapolis. And apparently Floyd had a conversation with a friend there, a friend he called Stiff, that George had this dream of re-releasing some of the rap tapes that he'd made in the 90s. And Stiff explains, his goal wasn't just monetary. He wanted to influence the younger generation with a message of steering away from violence and bettering their lives. This was the George that Stiff knew. And he says that, he says that George Floyd looked at him and he said, man, Stiff, I'm gonna change the world. So we have our memory. We have our reference point. Zaza has a memory. Wayne has his moment. Stiff has his George Floyd. Like each of us has a reference point. And I just have to keep wondering how deeply have we been changed since that day? Since those, those vines of light spread, spread across the globe. And what sort of energy and emotion and motivation has that given rise to? For me, it really has come in waves. The, um, one of the clearest moments when I, I recognized that I had been changed early on, I was lying on my back, lying on the earth and feeling completely groundless. I was out in a field in Golden Gate Park and I was totally disoriented. Uh, disoriented because I'd recognized a difference uh, in that unlike the regularity and the universal dynamics of the Dharma, 
that the dynamics of race had applied differently in my life than they had in George Floyd's. That the laws and dynamics that govern my movement through society were not the same laws and dynamics and forces that governed George Floyd's life. He lived with a different cultural physics. And so I was disoriented, having discovered that my gravity wasn't his gravity. What was so, so important about this moment is that I had, I had known something about this intellectually, but then it broke through to some deeper level. An idea had become heart or flesh or bone or blood. I couldn't tell how deeply the vine had taken root or what it would grow into. But I knew based on, based on this reference point, something had changed. I wonder, I wonder what that moment was for you. When you knew something had changed. And then how to give expression to that. I wasn't sure what to do, but I knew that I wanted to remember. I really wanted to remember George Floyd. And so I did something small. I made a card that lives on my altar at home. It's traditional in Soto, Soto Zen to have a memorial plaque. Sometimes it lives on the altar for a week. Sometimes it lives on the altar longer. Usually 49 days, seven weeks is the longest, but not this time. Every time I go to my altar, George is, George is right there. So recognizing a change, some, some people respond simply, some people respond in big ways. Some people respond in ways that are clearly direct, like Floyd Mayweather, the, the, the world boxing champion, donated $130,000 for George Floyd's funeral. Or there are these other ways that don't seem quite as direct. And there's mystery there. Mystery there in that recognizing that something has changed and not knowing what that's gonna become, not knowing how it will express itself. This is really at the edge of, of my curiosity and my curiosity for engagement uh, with you on this topic is there's recognizing, there's recognizing that something has changed and then all the ways that that's going to flower and become something. I take some inspiration from uh, uh, the Dharma teacher, Gil Fronstall talks about a response um, that doesn't seem so direct to a different tragedy. In response to 9-11, he started the Sati Center chaplaincy training. Doesn't seem like there's a direct connection, 
but he explained that he was moved by this and decided to expand the Sati Center beyond the scholarly and the textual, that he wanted to add support to respond directly to suffering and especially the sort of one-on-one -on -one response to suffering that, that chaplains can offer. Maybe in some of the places we need it the most, hospitals, hospices, schools, prisons. It's been almost 20 years since he's done that. And I, I think of these year after year, just season after season of chaplains going out into the world for good and bringing simple transformative presence to bear on the difficulties of our lives. And when I think about that, I can't exactly decide. I can't even say, is that a direct response or an indirect response? I don't know, but it's beautiful action. To go back to George Floyd's family and thinking about how one allows oneself to be changed. I'm inspired. I'm inspired when I think about uh, George Floyd's siblings. I think about Bridget, his sister, and Terrence, brother, speaking to crowds, rallies, in the direct action of activism. And Bridget founded the George Floyd Memorial Foundation. And Philanese Floyd, his brother, has become, uh, he's becoming something of a political force. He sat down with Joe Biden today to talk about where, where are we with this? I was inspired by that. And beyond, the, beyond his family, we've seen George Floyd Square. We've seen things like Say Their Name Cemetery. We've seen Dave Chappelle grieving on stage. All the poetry, the miles and miles of marches, memorials, visual art, and think about all the meditations. All these responses, all these ways that change gets expressed through us. And I wonder what that's been for you. I wonder what it is for you. And I wonder what it will be. One of these expressions of, of uh, change is the Black Lives Matter mural outside of George Floyd's high school, outside of Jack Yates High. They painted this um, two block, two block wide, uh, Black Lives Matter mural in the street. And at the end, there's George Floyd's football jersey, number 88. And that little addition means so much to me in terms of remembering and honoring, commemorating George Floyd. Just this last weekend, George Floyd Park was opened. 
It's this uh, one hour drive south across from Jack Yates. Must be right there by the mural. And again, Bridget on Tuesday, that's today, leading a celebration of life and remembrance at Commons Park in Minneapolis. And we think of the Floyd family at the White House. And again, how the, how the image of the video spread, just like these lightning vines. Now I see, when I see George Floyd's family, I think of this, it's like this web of action this web of response all over the country. How far does it extend? There's one last parallel I'd like to close with as we contem we're contemplating how have we been changed and how will we express that change? Apparently when, the, when the, the Black Lives Matter mural was, was unveiled at Jack Yates High, the one with the number 88, his teammates released balloons into the air. Can you imagine? Just the, the tender touch, just release. Letting go. George Floyd said to his friend Stiff, I'm gonna change the world. And in a parallel that made me tear up until I actually saw the video and saw the joy in her face, George Floyd's daughter on his best friend's shoulders, Gianna says, that he changed the world. Stiff, I'm gonna change the world. Daddy changed the world. So again, I wonder how different we are after a year. Since the time the time of Lightning. And I wonder what it would mean for the power of that to live on through us, through beautiful action. And remembering. And bringing respect and joy into relationship with the difficulty. It's my wish and hope that George Floyd, Floyd is resting. So may we invite respect and honor and care. And may our reflections sensitize us to how we've been changed. And may our expression of that change extend to benefit all beings everywhere. Let's just sit together for a minute or two.
Thank you very much. So now is a great time for silence <laughs> and conversation. Um, anything, anything coming to mind for you? Uh, either comments or questions or reflections or 